So this is, as I said, our 21 days. This is the kickoff to that. And as part of this kickoff, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be spending throughout the month of January, we're going to commit our Sunday morning time to speaking specifically about prayer. Now, last week, if you were here, I talked about fasting. And so if you weren't here and you want more information about fasting and what it is as a church that we're asking, uh, go back, watch on your app, watch online, and, and hear that message on fasting. But today we're going to kick off this sermon series talking about prayer. And the question we'll begin with is, why do we pray? Why do we actually pray and so one of the things I always like to do, and I know you've heard me say this before, but I think it's helpful in, in uh, triggering and helping to remind us is that if Jesus was physically present with us in the room, if he showed up and said, hey, I'm going to set up a schedule and I'm going to take five-minute appointments with each person that's come to the meeting today to give you an opportunity to ask me for any one thing, any one thing, how many of you would know what you'd ask him for? Would you ask him for something for your kids? Would you ask him for maybe a new job? Would you ask him for healing, something for your body? Would you ask him for something for your spouse? Would you ask him for finances? What is it, if you had your five-minute appointment with Jesus, what is it that you would ask him for? One of the things I love about Scripture is we have stories in Scripture that are so important for us to look at what they mean because the disciples walked with Jesus every day for three years. I want you to think about that. For three years, they were in close proximity, day and night. They watched Jesus. They listened to Jesus. They served right alongside of Jesus for three years. And we have several different places where the disciples asked Jesus questions. And one of the things they asked of Jesus is in this moment in Luke chapter 11, we see it, we also see it in Matthew, when Jesus is giving his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon in the Plain in Luke, and Jesus is giving this masterful sermon. He's laying out really what kingdom life looks like, starts with the Beatitudes, and he's working through really what his magnum opus, right? And the disciples, after hearing this, after seeing Jesus heal the sick, they ask Jesus a question. They, they have a request of Jesus, and their request is maybe different than yours and mine might be. Their request was, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Of all the things they could have asked Jesus to do for them, they've just heard him preach this incredible message. They could have said, Jesus, would you teach us to preach like that? They just saw Jesus heal the sick. They could have said, Jesus, would you teach us how to heal the sick like that? But that's not what they said. What they said was, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? I think it's interesting because the disciples see they observed Jesus up close. They saw Jesus and they knew that Jesus relied, his whole life was built upon a reliance with his time spent with the Father in prayer. They had observed for themselves Jesus' total dependence on prayer. They had seen what happens when Jesus prays. They had seen how when Jesus needed strength, he prayed. When Jesus was going to need wisdom, he prayed. They saw these things up close and they said, we want that. We want that. We want that kind of life and power and relationship with the Father that you have, Jesus. Would you teach us to pray? They recognized the disciples in all of their weakness and all of their foolishness at this point. This is early on in Jesus' ministry. They recognized that prayer was the cornerstone, was the foundation, was the, the place that Jesus started everything. 
And so, friends, we need to understand this as Christians. As Christians, there is nothing more vital to your life in Christ than prayer. I need to say it again. As Christians, there is nothing more vital to your life in Christ than prayer. And in this 21 days of prayer and fasting, as we intentionally, as a whole church family, try to take time to seek the Lord together, to draw near to the Lord, I believe it's so vitally important that we understand some things about prayer because I think the average Christian and the average person walking around the streets of Silverton knows more about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey's relationship than they know about prayer. We giggle, and it's absolutely true absolutely true. So let's start with four common misconceptions about prayer. Because I think that a lot of you, um, whether we're believers or non-believers, I think a lot of us struggle with some of these misconceptions about prayer. And here's the first misconception. The first misconception is we view prayer and God like a magic genie. We, we, we view it as you, you rub the lamp, and then God comes out of the lamp and says, I want to grant you your request. Your wish is my command. But remember, don't waste your prayers because you only get three. And a lot of us view prayer in that way. Another way, the misconception about prayer is we view prayer like a fire extinguisher. This is like it's the last resort. You see the sign above the fire extinguisher says, for emergency use only. And that's how we view our prayer life. If all else fails and I can't find another way to fix this situation, I'll use the fire extinguisher. I'll use prayer. The next misconception, so we have, it's a magic genie, it's a fire extinguisher. The next one is it's a tug of war. Prayer is a tug of war. It's this religious game that we play where we are trying to convince God to do something he does not want to do. But if we pull on him hard enough and long enough, we'll wear him down. And then he will submit to what we want. And then the very worst idea about prayer is number four, is prayer is a religious duty. It's a religious duty. The basic motivation for praying out of a religious duty is this, guilt. I know I should pray more. I know I ought to pray more. I know this is something I should do. And it becomes just another religious practice. Maybe even you hear someone else pray and you say, ooh, that sounded good when they said that. So I'll do that in my prayer life. And I'll just pray like they pray because God answers their prayer. And so we memorize and rehearse our scripture and we try to sound good when we pray because after all, prayer is just a ritual, right? And so since it's just a ritual, we just got to get the right words in the right place and go through the right motions and God will answer. So we view it as a religious duty. And it, you can tell, religious duty is the right word, uh, duty, uh, we can, you can tell when somebody's praying out of religious duty because you start hearing a lot of cliches enter into your prayer. It's not relational. You're not praying uh, on behalf of, uh, because your heart is stirred or moved. You're just praying because you're going through the motions. Religious prayer is something that you endure. It's something you have to do. It's just time. You got to punch the clock. You, you got to put in your hours because if I do, then God will answer my prayer. 
And these are all common misconceptions that actually enter into our prayer life more often than you might think. And so what I want to do today is actually look at why do we actually pray? What's prayer actually about? And one of the best texts for this, we actually spent a huge amount of time with this last year in working through Jesus' last night with his disciples. That final night, that last message that Jesus spent from the upper room all the way through the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus spends a huge amount of time with his disciples that night telling them this, I'm going away. How many times repeatedly does he say that? I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to be with you. I won't be here physically, but the Spirit will be here, and you can still communicate with me through prayer. You can still ask, and I'll hear you. You can still uh, speak with me, and I will respond. And Jesus goes through all of this, and we're going to look at that today. So if you're taking notes today, this is going to be the first one in your note sheet, is why do we pray? And the first one I want to tell you is prayer is an act of dependence. Prayer is an act of dependence. See, in prayer, we have the opportunity to express our total and complete dependence on God. Prayer is us saying, God, I need you, and I cannot and do not want to do this without you. See, one of the biggest hindrances to our prayer and maybe some of you will relate to this. One of the biggest hindrances to our prayer life is that we don't actually feel like we need God for everything. This is especially true in our affluent corner of the Western world where life is pretty good. Your neighbor may not be a believer and they may think life is pretty good. They've got a nice family, they've got nice cars, their kids are in nice schools, and they feel like we are doing life pretty well on our own, and so they don't feel they need a dependence of, on God. They feel like they can do life on their own. And this has been the way it's been ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Mankind loves to overestimate our own abilities and strength. We think, you know what? I don't need to pray about that because I know the solution to that problem already. And we trust and rely on our own wisdom, our own understanding, and our own strength instead of what God wants to give us. So see, the, one of the biggest problems in our prayer life is in order to really pray, you have to be willing to admit that you need God's help, that you're helpless on your own, that you are in need of God, that you can't do it by yourself. And a lot of people struggle with that reality. A lot of people struggle with saying, I can't do this on my own, and I am helpless unless God helps me. But that is a foundation of our prayer, because as long as you are self-sufficient, then your prayer life is always going to struggle, because prayer is an act of dependence. We're saying, God, I admit that I need you. God, I need your help in my life. Prayer is that declaration. I am totally dependent on you, God. And Jesus uses the analogy in John 15 with his disciples talking about the vine and the branches to show just how dependent we are on him. Jesus says, John 15, 5, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Some of you, that's hard language from Jesus. Listen to him say it again. Apart from me, 
you can do nothing. If anyone doesn't remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me, listen to this, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. That sounds like a promise we may want to pay attention to. It sounds like a pretty important thing that Jesus has just said. He says, hey, if you will stay dependent on me, if you will stay connected to me, if you will stay in relationship with me, if you will stay connected, then through me, all things are possible. Through me and my relationship with you, anything can be done as you ask. See, the the thing we have to understand in this, friends, Is that apart from him, what can we do? Let's try that again. Apart from him, what can we do? But connected, dependent on him, what can we do? Anything, everything. That's huge to understand. In prayer, it's an act of dependence. We say, Jesus, I need you. Here's another thing that prayer is. Number two, prayer is an act of relationship. Prayer is an act of relationship. You cannot have a relationship without communication. I'm giving you some free marriage advice and relationship advice right now. Everyone, listen, this is not just spiritually true, it's physically true. You cannot have a relationship without communication. And if you've been attending this church for very long, Silver Creek Fellowship, you will know that we go to great lengths and spend an enormous amount of time, energy, and effort to communicate with you all. We, we take the time, we fill out connection cards, we have weekly announcements, we print bulletins each week, even though that's a practice a lot of churches don't do anymore. We have our, uh, our connection cards, I said that one. We do a chronicle as well. We have an information desk. We have a weekly newsletter. You should sign up for that because it's a really great thing for you to know what's going on in the church. We have a webpage that gets weekly attention. We use our social media channels. We have an app. We have a connect system called Elvanto, where we can connect and communicate. Why? Because if you want to have a relationship with somebody, you need to communicate. Because most of our problems in our relationships come from a lack of communication. See, communication, whether it's with your wife or your husband or your co-workers, is the key to healthy, real, lasting relationships. And most relationship problems are a result of poor communication. It's very difficult to understand a person if you don't ever communicate with them, right? Because now you are just assuming their motives, assuming their desires. You are actually transferring maybe your own motives and desires onto the other person instead of hearing what it is they have to say. And I'll tell you, a lot of Christians are doing this with God by reading the Word, but never talking to God about what it all means. You see, you can spend a lot of time researching and reading, But prayer is so important because prayer is the opportunity for God to really speak into your life and heart so that you can build a relationship with Him. And here's the thing, a lot of you don't understand this. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus, here's what He told us in John 15, 15. He said, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends For everything I've learned from my Father, I've made known unto you. 
You didn't choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit that will last. Then my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. What did Jesus say? The reason that the Father would give us whatever we ask for in His name, it's because our relationship status, our relationship with Jesus is that we are His friend. You understand this? We are friends of Jesus. That is amazingly good news. He doesn't treat you like a servant or a slave. You are his friend. So how do you approach your friends? How do you communicate with your friends? What are you willing to ask a friend to do? And this is critical in understanding how we pray because so many of us approach God as the cosmic king of creation, millions of miles away, seated on a throne, and we feel like, I don't know how to talk to him. I don't know how to communicate with God on the throne in heaven, but I do know how to talk to a friend. And the thing is, a lot of us feel like, well, I can't really bring that to God. Why would God care that I'm struggling to make my car payment or that I have a relationship conflict at work? Why would God, who's in charge of the world, seated in heaven, care about my day-to-day minute life? Because he's your friend. He doesn't treat you like a servant or a slave. You are his friend. And so prayer becomes an act of relationship. Prayer is where we begin and where we grow and where we know each other as friends. As we listen to him, as we communicate with him, we are being transformed every single day. See, when you understand that it's an act of relationship and that Jesus is your friend, it changes everything. Because now it's not just about, I need, I have to pray. Oh, man, I've got to pray. Now it's about, I have a friend that I want to talk to. It's a totally different motivation. I don't know about you guys. This is a side note. It's not in my notes. But when I was first dating my wife, Summer, that was back in the, the olden days where we had phones, you know, with the cords and stuff in the living room. I don't know how many of you played this game when you were dating, but you, the, you hang up first. No, no, you hang up first. Nowadays, it would go very differently, right? But back then, neither of us wanted to be the one that ended the conversation. Why? Because we loved each other. Because we were falling in love with each other. We wanted to communicate. Friends, prayer is an act of relationship. And when you understand who God is and how good God is and what His desire for your life is, it changes everything. Here's the next one, number three. Prayer is an act, now I'm going to use a a Bible word here and then I'll explain it. Prayer, Prayer is an act of supplication. Supplication. Supplication simply means a request, a humble request, a request for help from God. Prayer is a way that we make requests to God. It's a way that we make the, the, the ask for help from God. And Philippians 4, 6 says like this, don't worry about anything. How many of you find that easy, right? Thanks, Paul. Helpful. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, with prayers and your supplications, prayers and your supplications, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying the result of us asking, 
The result of us bringing our requests before the Lord in prayer is that God would actually give us another word that I love, serenity, inner peace, peace of our heart, mind, soul, body, that bringing our requests before the Lord is is the way that we battle the worry, fear, and anxiety that plagues our mind and our lives. John 16, 23 through 24 says this, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Till now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive. Why? And your joy will be complete. See, the fact of the matter is, now, if you want to get into the the argument with God about why He chose to do things the way He chose to do things, be my guest. But I'm just telling you, friends, that the fact of the matter is this. God has chosen to use prayer as His method for meeting your needs. The Bible teaches us that there are some things that God has promised to do in and for our life, but only in and through prayer. And people often make the mistake of saying, well, God knows what I need, and so He'll just give me what I need. But the truth is, Jesus invites you and tells us something very different. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. In the original language here that Jesus was using, he was actually using what's called the present tense. He was saying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, and it will be given to you, and the door will be opened to you. So when we pray, what should we be asking for? Isn't that an important question? When you pray, what should you be asking for? Stop overcomplicating this, friends. Ask Him for what you want. God's not interested in you asking for something that you don't want just because you know it would be good for you. That's silly. Ask God for what you want. God's not up there in heaven holding back good things from your life and saying, now, I know this would be really good for you, but you're going to have to convince me to give it to you. God says, ask, and I will answer. Remember, prayer is this dependence on God. It's an act of communication, but it's also an act of supplication. We are asking the Lord. So we ask Him in prayer, and why? Because He wants our joy to be complete. How many of you would say, man, 2024, I would like my joy to be complete? Well, yeah. He says, ask in prayer so that I can answer, so that your joy may be complete. Listen, I'm a dad. And I love nothing more than to be able to care for the needs of my children. If they have something that they ask me for that I know would be good for their life, I love nothing more than to be able to provide that thing from them. And I just love that moment where you provide the thing that they've asked for and there's this eruption of joy. Well, God wants the same experience for your life. He wants you to rely on Him. He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to ask Him, and He wants to provide for you the things you ask so that your joy may be made full. Matthew 7, 7 through 11, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. Which of you 
If your sons asked for bread, would give them a stone. Or if they asked for a fish, would give them a snake. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, your Father in heaven, give you good gifts to those who ask Him? I'm far from a perfect dad. And yet I love to give good things to my kids. And, and the, uh, Jesus is saying, how much more will your perfect heavenly father respond? And I can tell you, it's funny. We, we hear what Jesus just said, but oftentimes we are hesitant in prayer because we feel like, what if I ask God for this and he does something bad for me that I don't want him to do? Like, what if I pray this prayer like, God, I, I pray that you lead me and then you end up leading me to something terrible. But Jesus says, no, how would a father who loves you give you a stone instead of bread when you ask for it? See, uh, we have to change, friends, our understanding, our view of the father. The father, you're not in prayer trying to twist God's arm to do something for you that he doesn't want to do. The father wants to lavish his goodness upon your life. And he knows the very best way to do that is that you would be connected to him in relationship and prayer. And as you speak to him, as you spend time with him, he's transforming our heart, transforming our mind, transforming our lives, and giving us the things that are according to his will that we ask for. Here's the next one, number four. Prayer is an act of partnership. Prayer is an act of partnership. And I actually believe this is one of the areas that we as Christians uh, understand the very least. That God has called us as believers into partnership with Himself through prayer. That God in His wisdom, again, you can talk to God about why. But God decided in His wisdom and sovereign power that He would accomplish His will upon this earth through the prayers of His people. I think it's one of the most exciting things for us to talk about regarding prayer. God designed prayer such that as we cooperate with Him and partner with Him in prayer, that we can see God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is God's program Prayer is God's plan. Prayer is God's way that He accomplishes His will upon the earth. You get to team up with God. You get to be on God's team. You get to partner with God to see His will, His kingdom, and His power fulfilled in your life and upon this earth. You want to hear a mind-blowing verse? Listen to what Jesus says in John 14, 11 through 13. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I have to admit, this verse, like some others in the Bible, is challenging, isn't it? This verse is hard for us to read and to relate to and understand. Because I doubt very many of you, if I took a survey, would say, how many of you believe that you are doing even greater works than Jesus today? You're like, yeah, me, right? We're like, no, that's, that's challenging. 
How many of you believe you're seeing greater miracles than what Jesus accomplished in his time on the earth? And we struggle with this. How can this be, God? And, and then all of a sudden you realize, wait, the sentence doesn't stop there. You need to read verse 13. You can't just read verse 12. You need to read 12 and 13. How is it possible, Jesus? How can this be? Well, Jesus says again, you may ask for anything in my name and I'll do it. How is it that it's possible that we believers can walk in the even greater things than what Jesus walked in when he was upon the earth? Well, it's because it's still Jesus who is accomplishing it. It's just now that Jesus has ascended to his throne and the Holy Spirit has been given to us as believers. And the Holy Spirit, by the way, is interceding in us the will of the Father on our behalf. And Jesus is before the Father interceding on our behalf. As all of this is taking place, God is asking us as believers to ask me. And then through us, Jesus is working his miraculous power. He's answering prayer. It's not about you. It's about him. Jesus is the one who's still doing this wonderful work upon the earth in and through believers by the Holy Spirit. And so if you struggle with this, well, how can I, you know, I know me, I know my issues, I know my sin. How can I be used by God? It's because Jesus is still the one that in us and through us is working his miraculous power. And what did Jesus say? How do we access it? You ask. You ask. It's incredible to think about this, friends. Did you know that your prayers are not limited by time and space? That the prayers of Jesus that he prayed for you and I in the Gospel of John that we were just looking at, the prayers he prayed for you and I 2,000 years ago, God is still answering those prayers for us today. And the same thing is true about your prayers. Often we pray, and three weeks from now, three months from now, three years from now, three generations from now, God is answering our prayers. When you pray, you're no longer limited by time and you're no longer limited by space. You can pray right now for a family member on the other end of Silverton, for a family member in Portland, for a family member in Cambodia, for a, a friend in Gabon. You can pray for people all the way to the ends of the earth and in real time. God is moving outside of our time and space and moving in the lives and the hearts of people. Prayer, what an opportunity, friends. You say, well, you know, we, what can we do about that situation in Israel? What can we do about that situation in this country or that? We can pray. And prayer is not some little thing. People often in our society today say, you say, hey, we're, sent, we're sending our prayer. And they're like, oh, is that all you're going to do? You're not going to do anything actual to help us? And you're like, you don't have a clue what prayer is. Because friends, the most powerful thing we can do together is pray. There is limitless power available to you and I in and through prayer. Did you know that God, all throughout history, has changed the course of history and of people through believers praying? Here, I'll give you an example. 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. But here's what I want to do. 
I'm a history guy, so I don't want to just tell you that this is true if we read the Old Testament and New Testament. This has been happening in the lives of people from the time in the beginning all the way until this morning, till just a minute ago, that God is changing the world, changing history through people's prayer. I'll give you an example. May 1940. 375,000 British soldiers are trapped on the beach of Dunkirk, France. They are imminently going to be destroyed. The Nazi army and Blitzkrieg has advanced all around them, and there is no way to get them off that beach. In fact, only one ship can get in at a time. There's only one spot to get a, a large boat into the shallow water there at Dunkirk. And the estimate that was given to Churchill is that the, at max, 30,000 of these 375,000 soldiers was going to survive. Meaning that the standing army of, of, of Britain is about to be destroyed, and that meant for certain that the Nazi invasion would take place in England and all of history would be changed. So what happens? King George of England goes on the radio that night and he calls out for the entire nation of England to pray. And he declares a national day of prayer. The next day, millions of people gathered in churches all around the British Empire, and began to pray. Millions more were at home crying out to the Lord that He would rescue them. And what happened next? Something that's still known to this day in the books of history as a miracle takes place. Suddenly, the Nazis begin making really strange strategic mistakes. A localized freak storm moves in and covers the air, Yet, as the storm is there, the water is unusually calm, which allows small boats to cross over the English Channel and approach the beach. All at the same time, a dense fog kept them covered by the air, and 330,000 soldiers were saved from those beaches. Why? Because a nation of people prayed. They, They fell on their knees before a mighty God, and He heard them, And he answered, and let me just tell you, it changed all of history. Elizabeth Elliot, which is a real hero uh, of mine, and you can read uh, the book Through the Gates of Splendor or so many others, a Christian missionary woman, and she says it like this. Her husband, by the way, was killed by a tribe in the Amazon, and she says it like this. Prayer lays hold of God's plan, and it becomes the link between His will and its accomplishment on the earth. Amazing things happen when we are given the privilege of being the channels of the Holy Spirit through prayer. Six different times in Jesus' final message, he says, if you would ask, if you would ask, I'll answer. If you would ask it, I'll do. Jesus over and over and over keeps repeating this same thing. Ask, ask, ask. And friends, I'm going to just be honest with you. For many of us, prayer is a much-neglected part of our discipline and walk with the Lord. I want to encourage you over the next 21 days to renew your focus on prayer. To spend time each and every day. We've got so many tools for you to do this. This prayer guide that's out in the entryway, also, uh, if if you're not a paper person, the app, the Pray First app, 
is the same thing as this prayer guide. It has all the different stuff in it. If you would take a copy of the prayer guide or use the Pray First app, you can actually, it will help you. It'll give you some ways to get started in prayer. It'll teach you some new ways to pray. It'll give you different types of prayers and scriptures to pray in different circumstances. If you're saying, I just don't know where to start, good news. Pray first. We got it right here. This will help you. We also have a kid's version for families to do together with their kids. They're going to get it in class today in the second service. We also have some more of them if, if uh, you want to take one home to your family or to kids. It, we want you to spend extra time with the Lord in prayer. Why? Because I think it'll change your life. I think it'll change this church. I'm bold enough to say it'll change our city. I'm bold enough to say it'll change our country and our world. Why? Because when people pray, God moves. Some of you are in need of personal miracles right here, right now, today. Band, you can come back up. Some of you are in need of a miracle in your marriage. Some of you know you are at the spot in your marriage that unless something happens, unless something changes, you are in real trouble. Some of you are in need of a miracle for your kids. You have kids who are walking away from the Lord. You have kids that are, are, are separated away from the family. You have kids that have really are prodigal, away from the Lord, away from your family. And you know they need a miracle. Some of you need a miracle in your health. You're struggling with sickness. You're struggling with your body. Some of you need a miracle at work. You're in a tight spot. You're in a difficult situation situation. Some of you need a miracle for your finances. Friends, the good news is the miracle worker is here. He's available, he's willing, and he says, ask. So how do we respond? How do we respond when the invitation, the ball, is in our court? Will we be a people who ask? Will we be a people who are dependent and reliant on the Lord in prayer? Will we be a people that won't allow what's happening in our city or our state or our nation to go without us being on our knees before the Lord in prayer? Will we be a people that look at the events of the world and say, I don't know how I can necessarily go and fix that, but one thing I can do is I can go before Almighty God, the creator of the universe, and I can ask. Friends, we have such a wonderful opportunity that lies ahead of us to truly see our lives transformed, our families transformed, our communities transformed through and by prayer. So I want to encourage you today as we worship some more, sing the next couple of songs. I want to encourage you today, please do not leave this room with a prayer request that you are keeping to yourself ask the Lord. Whatever it might be, however big it might be or however small and it, uh, to you you think it might be, ask. Begin to cry out to the Lord. One of the beautiful things that we have as a church family is we have the opportunity to join with you in prayer, to stand alongside of you, to pray along with you, to believe God together for God's miraculous power to flow in and through your lives. Friends, 
this is what the church is all about. The church is a house of prayer for all nations. That is who we are. And so let's today draw near the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Let's pray. Let's go before God and let's ask. And this week, if you're in need of prayer, if you would like to be anointed with oil and have the elders' hands laid on you, come on Tuesday morning or on Wednesday night. Come and join in with other believers who are lending their faith together and let's believe God for wonderful, awesome, and miraculous things.